Um, so this is the worship fundamental seminar. And um, we'll kick off, I think, if that's all right. Um, we, it's called a seminar, but we want it to be a conversation, okay? So the truth is, we're all quite busy people and we didn't plan loads of stuff. We planned, we, we, we planned a bit, but honestly, we just wanted to have a conversation. Because we've all, I mean, as you've heard a bit of Jesse's story already, and we've all been to these things a lot, and we, we just thought we would rather talk about what people wanted to talk about. So here's the plan, this is what we're going to do. Um, each of us will just share briefly, uh, three or four minutes, we'll, share our, we'll just tell you a bit of our story so that you get to know us a bit. After that, uh, we'd like to have a conversation about worship fundamentals, and we'd kind of like you guys to steer that as would be helpful. So what we've done is I've just stuck up on here the Vineyard Worship Values, and what we thought about when we thought, what do people really want to talk about? Got four topics here. If you can't read them, I'll shout them out to you, because I realise it's not ideal. So we've got our worship values here. Intimacy, accessibility, integrity, passion, expectation. Jesse's written a whole book about that, which is here, <laughs> and really worth reading. We won't be covering Very all good. the material in the book, but it's fantastic. Very good. It's a theological exposition of why they are our... Um, things and is it's it very good. Downstairs? Yes, it is on, on, on the store. For, a, for as little as a quid, okay? Oh, bargain. Um, Absolute bargain. In terms of other worship related stuff, we thought set formation is something people quite like to talk about, uh, team dynamics, personal development, and maybe values around production and skills. But to be honest, that's our suggestion of what we might want to talk about. What we're going to do is after we've shared. Each of us, we're just going to give go over to you. You can get into little groups, or if you don't want to be sociable, you can do it on your own. But um, <laughs> just have two or three minutes. And, and what we want to kind of just, what we're going to find out is what questions do you have in these areas, or perhaps other areas around worship leading and, and all that kind of stuff. Because we want to, we want to, and then we want to have a, an interactive conversation around that. Is that fair? Is that yeah. so? That's the plan. We've got about an hour, have we? Yeah. So. Um, I'll sit down and one of these guys can start. Why don't we, I'll pray and then we'll do that. One of you two can start, okay? Um, so, Father, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that, you know, it's, it's already been a fantastic weekend. And as Jesse was saying this morning, we have already met with you. Your, your spirit is here. And that's a wonderful thing. Thank you for this gathering of the worship tribe. And now in this time that we've got this afternoon, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you be our guide? Would you highlight or pinpoint the, the things that you want to talk about? Um, and use this time to teach all of us something uh, about you and about this wonderful, special call of worship leading that we're, that we're called to. In Jesus' name. Amen. So over to, who's going first? Jess is going first. Great. I want to hold something. Forward. Um, so my name is Jesse. I um, I pastor uh, the worship team at the Kingdom Vineyard in the Kingdom of Fife, uh, sort of uh, around St Andrews and area. And um, I've been doing that for for f- 16 years now. I'm originally from London, uh, Riverside Vineyard, where I sort of shared that story from. Um, I'm not going to give you my whole testimony, just maybe some bits that are pertinent to how I approach worship and my experience of worship. So my first encounter with worship was when I was 17 years old, just, just before my 17th birthday. And I'd been invited to a church youth groups away um, because 
I was the guy in the debating society in my sixth form who was always ripping into Christians. And their response was to invite me to come away with them. And I went away with them with the express purpose. Like, I told them I was going to save them. I was going to sort of rescue them from their deluded lives. And, um, and what I met there were people who knowingly welcomed me uh, even despite those expressed intentions, and people who studied the Bible and um, really wrestled with what was in it, and uh, and my whole my whole perception, my prejudice concerning Christians and concerning Christ, were completely overturned. Um, and the other thing that happened, my first encounter with worship, they were sat around a campfire, and you know this was the nineties, you know, uh, um, and. There was a guy leading a song, and he was really screwing up. Like it was awful. It was, it was a, it was a Graham Kendrick song called "The Servant King," and I don't know. It's a beautiful song, but he did write some really tricky modulations in, into his music, didn't he? And this guy was massacring it, and um, and I just didn't. I, I I wrestled the guitar from him, and I said, "Let me." You know. <laughs> um, and so I led worship <laughs> 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 around that campfire. And um, long story short, I gave my life to Jesus two days later. Um, <laughs> um, and then I joined a church and I thought, oh, this, this guy wasn't a one-off. They're all awful. <laughs> 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 And this is really bad. And, and, and so I come from a musical background, and so I, I, I just thought, okay, um, you know, I'm not a person to complain about something without also offering to be part of the solution for something. So, of course, I heroically ventured into the worship team and said, don't worry, guys. I'm here now. <laughs> like, that's not what happened, but, it, 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 like, that's the... That's like sort of the condensed story of what actually happened, right? <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, yeah, again, a really long story short, and I'm still leading worship and still ministering in teams. And just my, my whole approach to quality and expertise and skill in music um, has, has kind of gone in and out of the sausage machine come out the other side and I still still really value you know investing in skill investing in music and and um, and giving God our absolute best that we have to give um, but 15 years of working in a church where the majority of people um, really don't know quite what they're capable of really underestimate their own ability I've I've become a lot more chilled out about just picking on people to come and get involved in the worship team and I don't care how good you are. I care about who you are. Mm. Um, and um, I want the best, but my judgment of what is the best is their best. I want the best that that person can give. And that's my, like, kind of my new, my new guide to excellence in the church is, is, is where, that's, that's where I'm at now. Um, so lots of, lots of other things I could say, um, but uh, 
Let me just say this one last thing. So a few years ago, is anyone from Medway in the room? Ah, oh, you guys. I just want to pick on you for a minute, right? Um, so a few years ago, I met Ro Rose. Was a graduate of, of of St Andrews, and so I knew her already. And met you and Peter, and they told me that at Medway Vineyard they were using YouTube videos for worship, and we, you know. No judgment. If you've got to use YouTube videos, use YouTube videos. But we wanted to just try and facilitate something happening in their church. And I think what, I, I don't know, you can tell me if I'm lying here or if I'm being dishonest, but I just wanted to encourage you to do something, anything. And it didn't matter what it, looked, what it sounded like, what it looked like, because it was just, it was your offering. It was something you had to give. Um, is that true? Yeah, just do something, and um, and and so that's just my my philosophy now. Is that it's better to do something yourself badly uh, than to outsource it to you know professionals, uh, you know, just for the sake of having something really awesome. So I've gone into teaching mode rather than testimony mode now. So <laughs> I'm going to sit down and hand over to Helen. So. Hello, Helen. Okay, do I have to stand up? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like sitting now. Okay, oh, so lovely to see. There's, do you know what's been really exciting? There's so many people that I don't know at this. Um, so you're so welcome if this is your first uh, worship retreat. Um, so I, where do I start? So I started with the whole music thing from about the age of four. And I'm just saying that to put the rest of what I'm about to say in context. So a lot of my young years was classical training, like um, a lot of pressure, a lot of performances, a lot of orchestras, all that kind of stuff. And so when I encountered Jesus, um, not really from a Christian family, so it felt very much something that was outside of my family, it's something I discovered by myself, but um, my mum was a Christian, uh, she is a Christian, uh, she took me to church when I was about 10, and I remember just, it was a pioneer church, if anyone is familiar with that, really similar to Vineyard, but I just remember seeing people with their arms raised and just worshipping Jesus using language I could understand and seeing their hearts out, and I, I just remember encountering the presence of Jesus be like, what is this? What is this? I want this. Oh, I want to be in this. Um, and so they were a beautiful church. They invited me onto the worship team when I was about 11. Um, uh, and so I, I played a variety of instruments. But, you know, I'm, you know, it's annoying. I can feel I'm nervous now. And it, that has been my life story. <laughs> like, um, because everything I did in my training was about judgment, was about someone sitting there with a score sheet going, you're better than them, you're not as good as them, how good are you, are you good enough for this orchestra, are you good enough for this, are you good enough to pass this exam? So when I approached worship leading, um, I was terrified, I did not want to do it, and I think for about 15 years of leading worship, I've led worship for nearly 30 years, yes I'm that old, um, and you know, it, it was at least 15 years that I generally, it was an obedience thing. It was where God kept placing me. I hated it. I, I would feel sick. I would, at the end, you know, when you sit down after you've done something, God, oh, man, that was rubbish. What was it doing? I started far too fast. What was it? And it's all about me, wasn't it? All about me and my performance. Um, and just through obedience, um, just through surrender, 
the joy of getting over myself. It's not about me. It's about what he's doing. It's about us encountering Jesus together. That the joy of leading worship has become a real thing and actually surrender to what he calls you to. Uh, he knows how he's made us, doesn't he? He knows what he's called us to and he equips us to do those things. But they can feel tough. It can feel like a just an obedience thing. Um, so... So yeah, I'm now currently placed at Leeds Vineyard and I oversee the worship there. It's a real honour to have my Leeds people over there. Love you guys. Um, yeah, so, uh, but the last two years have been horrible, haven't they? <laughs> like, whoever wanted to lead to a camera? Um, and I think, I was talking to someone earlier, I think the, uh, the biggest challenge is that disconnect from where we find the joy of the Lord, isn't it? It's such a disconnect from people, from being in the presence of Jesus together. I mean, we're called to be an embodied community. We're called to um, encourage one another. And um, yeah, there's valuable things we've all learned together, but uh, I'd be so interested to hear what some of your questions are after the last two years, because it's, it's been brutal and being, feel like it's only the last few months that worship leading has become a joy again. Again, it was it goes through seasons, doesn't it? But the last few years was just <sighs> obedience, did not want to do it. Felt like going back to performance. Um, and so I, I think in our church I've been really quite anti-performance because of my background. But um, so I, I definitely believe that, you know, it's everything Jesse's saying, right? Like we, God's um, put gifts in all of us and we use them. And it's not about how good it is, it's about us being obedient. But um, recently I felt a bit of a challenge from the Lord to, he's given me a gift, I need to actually like, use that skill. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, I felt like God wanted me to share that bit of my journey with you guys. So, I'll stop there. Cool. Thanks, Helen. Um, so I'm Nigel, and I'm a pastor at Winchester Vineyard. Um, I remember years ago when I started leading worship in Birmingham, um, I had a long conversation with my pastor at the time uh, and the conversation was ongoing. Which is the easiest way to train worship leaders? Is it easier to start with a musician and teach them to be a worshipper? Or is it easier to start with a worshipper and teach them to be a musician? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was firmly of the opinion that music was the way to start, because that was my background, just similar to your guys, you guys. Um, and I was very dismissive of um, people who were, who had very, in my head, I mean, I probably wasn't that rude out from, but in my head I was like, oh, if you can only play three chords, what kind of an experience is that? <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I've kind of learned that it's probably easier though, the other way, because if you start life as a musician, and especially in that whether it's what you were saying about the, the sort of judgment thing. For me, it was just all about identity and performance, you know, and being seen at the front, and that's a huge hurdle to get over. So I, you know, grew up at doing musical time, school shows, university big band, and worked as a freelance piano player for a few years. Um, and in my church, as a teenager, I started to get involved in worship leading, and then at the University Christian Union. But, you know, when I look back on that time, I so wanted to be seen. It was so much a part of my identity. And I remember this guy saying to me, I used to get up in the Christian Union and say, Hi, everybody, I'm Nigel. We're going to worship today. <laughs> and he, he just he took me aside. He was a fourth year, and I really respected him. He went, I love your worship leading. You're a great worship leader, but there's just 
He said it as gently as he could. He said, there's just a little bit too much of you and not quite enough of God in it. And I was devastated. And I was like, oh man, I'm never going to lead again. I was just, but, but actually it was a really, really important lesson to listen to. And uh, then I got involved in the vineyard church. I've been in the vineyard for 31 years now. I started at Birmingham Vineyard in 1991 and uh, got involved in the worship and it was very lo-fi. We didn't have any drummers, so I used to have a drum machine. <laughs> it was the craziest drum machine. Very ba- Great at keeping time, very bad at slowing down at the end of <laughs> Me and my foot pedal, I would spend Saturday nights sitting in bed with my headphones on, my wife was asleep, and I'm programming the drum machine for the next day or whatever. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and my story was that God, um, one of my, the guys in, who led the church gave me a really key word early on, because I'd spent all my teenage years wanting to be in a band, uh, nearly getting into a band that nearly made it and then not quite, um, and it was all about music for me, and, and this guy, he, he gave me a word, he said, I think God is saying that music is the key that opens the door. This is a word over my life and has been for 30 years, actually. Um, not... Music is the be-all and end-all, but it's actually a vehicle or a tool or a key. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been my story forever. So I then became a primary school teacher, got involved in kids' ministry, wrote some songs, um, all of that stuff. Music's always been there, but not, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a singer-songwriter who's burning for my art and I've got these things I've got to get out there and everybody's got to hear, isn't it? It's just not like that. And then just had the privilege of being involved in uh, training youth worship schools and youth worship academies and stuff like that, yeah. Tra- basically just helping young people to get into this stuff. Um, and now, post-pandemic, I'm one of the two worship leaders in our church. No, that's not true. Three, I think, we've got. Um, all those services, youth band, trying to still encourage and release people, and I also lead a Nothing separately from the worship in the church, I just lead a community choir, uh, which is really fun. I think the biggest challenge I've noticed, I noticed, I mean, it's always been there, but I think it was magnified through lockdown and stuff, mm-hmm. is just that the balance of authenticity versus production, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like you want things to be really good. Like, you, like Jesse was saying, there's no, you really do want, I mean, good music makes everybody happy. When I was doing kids' CDs, I mean, there are, some, there are some kids' CDs out there from back in the day that are so bad that no grown-ups want them on, never mind, you, you know. And so our, our aim when we were making kids' CDs was always, this has got to be good enough that the parents keep it on in the car. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, otherwise if the parents don't like it, the kids will never, will never hear it. Yeah. <laughs> because they'll be like, no, I'm not listening to that again. I, I'll tell a funny story. Uh, 9-11. Everybody remember. If you were alive, just looking around, some of you probably weren't. But look, everybody remembers where, where they were in 9/11. Yeah. Where I was in 9/11 was trying to with my two. My daughter, who's 21 now, was two, and we're in the car, and I'm look, listening to the radio, going, "Oh, there's something happening. Turn this up." And my daughter went, "No, no, 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 Tweenies tape." <laughs> and, this, and I couldn't listen to the radio to find out what was going on in 9/11 because my daughter insisted on listening to the Tweenies in the car. Um, but that's what you're going for with production in kids I don't know why I've started talking about this. Anyway, <laughs> that's probably enough about me. Um, we've shared a little bit of our stories with you, but we'd love to talk about the things that are on your heart to talk about. Um, so I've put some suggestions, and if you don't come up with any questions, we'll just talk about this stuff. right? But we'd love to make this a little bit interactive. So why don't you turn into 
uh, a group of two or three or four people, whoever you're with, and why don't you just talk for a couple of minutes and, and try and identify what you think the key questions are that either you have or that people around you have. You might not have burning questions, but what, what are the things that people are wanting to talk about in the area of worship and worship fundamentals? It might be a specific question around one of these topics or it might be something else. Just going to give you two minutes to do that, and then I'm going to gather a few questions in, and then we'll launch in and just try and have a, a, a sort of hopefully wide-ranging, comprehensive conversation. Is that cool? Great, go for it. Just have a couple of minutes. Then. And then we'll get going, okay? I'm going to start at that end, so somewhere around here. Come on, just shout them out. If you, what, what have you been talking about? What are you asking? What, what are the burning questions? 
Um, or topics of conversation? Um, the sort of different levels of ability, how do we practically gather and put into action all those different groups? Okay. Now after COVID. Different um, levels of ability. Okay, got it. Thank then, you. Uh, one more. Uh, unique, <laughs> um, you get two. What makes us unique to vineyard? I mean, there's vineyard worship. There's lots of people coming to the vineyard after COVID who are new to the vineyard in yeah. general. What makes us unique and how do we practically, uh, you know, show that? In worship, specifically. Yeah. Okay. So, specifically, unique. Specific. I don't know. I'm going to write shorthand on here. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be here all day. As long as you specific, know what you unique mean. worship yeah. values. Okay, great. Let's keep going for a bit. Go for it, Ian. How do we achieve the balance between uh, encouraging young, maybe young people who are not really very good at their instruments and, also, <laughs> and, and accepting, accepting them exactly as you said, but that's great. But how do we encourage the, the balance between that and encourage them to really get good at their instruments? Yeah, okay. So it's enthu- I'm hearing enthusiasm versus skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, progression. And progression. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, development. Okay. Good. Great. What else? Someone over here. Yeah, go for it. Um, how are we like building and supporting um, like new worship leaders, young and old? How are we creating a culture of developing new worship leaders? Great. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Is that locally or nationally? Both. Both. Okay. 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 Good. I'm going to get like four or five more and then go for it, mate. Yeah, so um, we've been using click tracks and backing tracks for the last few years. And there's a bit of a tension in terms of, I think we've gone very heavy on that. And it's almost like the technology's become perhaps a bit too the master rather than the servant. And how do you balance that? And, and, and what's, the, what's your experiences at all on that? And how, because we're, I think we're starting to move more towards it should be enabling rather than controlling. Uh, but it's a journey, and um, it's been a bit up and down. So, That's yeah, a great question. Enabling versus controlling. Can we get a poll on how many people are using How many people have you, are you, will use a click track or a backing mm. track as part of their worship? Okay, a quarter, third, right, yeah. Okay, great, thank you. You had a question, mate? Yeah, looking at your core song set and addressing the multicultural element of your course on set and looking at the indigenous cultures within your um, parish, within your uh, congregation, are you including it as a part of your core songs? Uh, in core song set, okay. That's a great question. question. Uh, somewhere in the middle? Go for it. Uh, we had one of, how do you foster, foster a healthy culture of feedback? Uh, with yeah, without kind of driving performance drivenness, but like still having the feedback. Okay, good. Healthy culture of feedback, but not performance driven. That's good. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go to the bottom of the page, right? So who else has got a burning question? That hasn't been mentioned. Or by the way, if if you're if you've got something to say that's close to one of these, I'm going to, we're going to chat and then we're going to throw it out. So we will have a discussion. But who's got something else? Yeah, go for it. Um, how to lead. Um, a group of people, a room of people in worship when they're <coughs> not very responsive, not very engaged. Okay. <laughs> Waking people up. <laughs> well, that sounds like a popular one. Yeah. <laughs> you stole me there. <laughs> when people aren't no. engaged, I'll just leave it there. Great, good question. Someone has a Yeah, Joe. Uh, I, I kind of guess it's good. Uh, 
relation to all the, the values yeah. uh, around modeling and particularly how do we model our brokenness um, as a worship leader or as a band. But I'm thinking more uh, practical ways we can do it. You know. I don't think we show that enough. Practically modeling brokenness. Jess. No, I'm just kidding. Joe, I was going to say, Joe, how do you work that? Adjacent to the, the one on engagement, uh, just a question on the, um, what was the value? Expectation. Expectation, yeah. the expectation value. Uh, doing that in a healthy way, uh, we'll not put the expectation not on ourselves mm. uh, and yes. helping the congregation to build that in a way that's not... Okay. That's a great question. One more burning one. You've got one? Go on. Um, we're finding a lot of people are not returning physically to church. So you've got the people in the room and you've got the people not in the room. How do we engage meaningfully with the people about that? Yeah. Good question. I've got some plans, so I don't. But that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's probably a more nuanced version of that. So, uh, engage with people not in the room. Okay, good. Let's. Let's leave it at that for now. But if this is going to be like this is going to be like question time on the telly. You're going to, everyone's going to get to say a bit. Now the deal is that I, these two are like thanks for facilitating this, Nigel, which means that they have to answer all the questions. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. Um, first question was. I tell you what, let's not go in that order. Do you want to say something about values and if someone's new to Vineyard and just specific, mm. unique, how do we model our specific, unique worship values and maybe bring into play that question about brokenness? Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that first and we'll try and so there's, cover there's actually, the Yeah, so I'm going to try and, try and hit a few of these questions with this one because there's, there's a question of people who are new to the Vineyard, finding out what is specifically specific and unique about the vineyard then there's questions about kingdom expectation and how you know what we're doing in, in that regard I might put that off but <laughs> we might go there I but, know the, uh, the practically modeling brokenness so I think that um, one of the ways that we um, One of the ways that we are distinctive and one of the ways that we maintain distinctiveness is by basing our practice upon our values and not the other way around. So what I mean by that is we don't, um, we don't base our worship ministries on what we want to sound like and look like and feel like. We base our worship ministries on more philosophical, theological concepts. You know, we want to uh, create accessible environments that invite the participation of everybody. We want to create, um, uh, we, we want to create spaces where we can be real with God and real with one another, and it's those things. And then that forms the basis of what the worship then looks like and sounds like. And it's got to be in that order. Those that, that has to, that's the fruit of. The, the values, the values are the roots and the and, and the the particular way that we express ourselves in worship. That's that's the fruit, and I think that you can tell that even in two different vineyards that sound completely different. You can tell that 
their vineyard because they are expressing those, those values and those core, core values. And I've written about these, these five worship values, but there are all the other values that make vineyard vineyard, you know, notions such as come as you are and everybody gets to play and all of that stuff. Right? And those are the things that we also need to be thinking about um, as vineyard worship leaders. Um, in terms of practically modeling brokenness, um, that's such a great question. Um, one of the ways that um, one of the ways that I think we all have to healthily avoid um, you know, slip, slipping into any kind of, um, let me start that sentence again. To prevent ourselves from being raised up on any kind of pedestal, for me, the yeah. best antidote is to be known among your congregation, um, to, be, to, to be rubbing shoulders with them as much as possible. You know, don't leave worship and then go and sit in the green room, right? Uh, eating, eating Ben and Jerry's until it's your time to come out again, right? Um, and, and in those, you know, just sort of get in the thick of it and get in the mix and be, be in a home group, right, where you're actually just sort of sharing life with people um, and praying for people, but more than that, asking people for prayer, for what you're struggling with, what your hopes and dreams are and what you're what you've been weeping about that week and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, I, yeah, so I just, I just think um, that many of the stories of, of people who have fallen from grace, let's say, let, you know, God's grace is never-ending, but ours isn't, right? Um, but those who have fallen from grace have often become detached from that living alongside people in their church. Mm-hmm. And they've... You, you know, um, they've they've gone out on sort of um, itinerant ministries, and they've not been accountable to anybody, mm-hmm. and and that's been their downfall mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it would be our downfall. You know, we're not better than them. It would be our downfall if we didn't maintain accountability as well. Yeah. Um, I can answer that. I got. Yeah. Do you remember the? Um, the runner and TV presenter Chris Akabusi. Um, somebody once said, I heard him interviewed on mainstream media. They said, you're a Christian, right? He said, yeah, I am a Christian. They said, why don't you preach then in public? Why don't you talk about that more? He said, I do preach, but I only preach in my church. Because in my church, they get to see if my walk matches up with my talk. Mm. Mm. Um, which I thought was a really lovely thing, you know? Um, and I, I mean, I, I just often say to worship leaders, you can lead... You actually lead more when you're not leading than when you're leading. And so if you're the worship leader and you're not on this Sunday and you're on your phone on the back row, guess what? But if you're on the front row or near the front row and you're worshipping, that's what models values to me. Um, I think that stuff's really important. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, no, it's all good. Anyone want to, who wants to come back on that, just on that? Go on, Nick. Other sides of that is to be really careful that we don't vent all of our stuff. And, you know, because if we're there with the microphone, we can then choose to write, I'm just going to be honest and go through all my things. And 
yeah. then we're taking advantage of the yeah. situation we're in. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I don't. I think that I think that we need to be more. The language that we use as worship leaders, we need to change sometimes. Um, not give us an exa- give an example, yeah. So, I've been highly aware, particularly since we've come back from COVID times. Yeah. Um, but people are really hungry, but people are really hurt as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we haven't got enough time, you know. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's all right, man. There's, the, we've got this amazing opportunity where we can leave people in this place. Mm. And if we're not being honest about how we're feeling, mm. and we've got, we've got this, we have a platform, we literally have a platform, most of us, to stand on and to pronounce just to be this is what I'm kind of at the moment I'm, I'm coming out of a place where I've for, for the longest time I did worship in a certain way and now all I'm interested in I'm not interested in technique all I'm going to do is I'm going to worship Jesus and if yeah. people come along with me great if they don't I don't care I'm sorry I know that's not what a lot of people of you they wouldn't want you to necessarily say that so I will, if I'm leading worship and I'm, I've been struggling that week with doubting God's goodness, I will make sure I include that in, in, my, in my son worship. Mm. Just simple, like, mm. in my doubt, show me where you're faithful or whatever. Because mm. no. there are people that feel exactly like we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that I'm I'm concerned about is that we, we, we preach this, everyone gets to play, but people still think I'm not good enough to do what they do because they're perfect people. But we're not perfect people, we're broken people. So that's what I mean about how do we model that? How do we show people that we are broken people? Mm. Um, I agree. I think you're both right. Yeah, Actually, exactly. I think it's, it's me having learned it in the past been in a in a difficult place where I was still going through something that was I was in a really low depressed place. So I was finding all the songs about meeting God in all the dark times and everything and I had a whole bundle of people who would turn up like we're full of joy and we want to praise God and everything. And so so that was for me realizing there's something there's something incredibly important about honesty and authenticity and giving a voice to allow other people to, to be free to yeah. respond in that way, yeah. but to be careful that we don't make it all about us, yeah. you know, and about because, because, going through a dark time. Because, it's, it's because what you're time. saying is actually a pastoral yeah. thing. It's you're do, It's important mm. to be real, but you're leading people somewhere as well. Yeah. It's it's as you're doing that, and there is a danger of getting up and just pouring out of my heart because it's all about me. Yeah. And it's actually. I think you're both right, you know. So you two can go to the bar afterwards yeah. and carry on. <laughs> you can drown your sorrows in a pint and talk about it. Um, let's move on to another question. Just just oh yeah, go on, you go. go so go I just want to say that, yeah, you're both right. And I'm, uh, this is how I think you're both right. That it would be, it would be, it would demonstrate that you have don't, that you don't have healthy structures and outlets for your life if that is the only place that you're actually expressing how broken you are, yeah. right? And that was the only place that you were doing. And the same is true for musical, musical ability, actually. It's like, if you don't have other outlets for your creativity, then you're gonna use that space and abuse that space of leading to fit, to squeeze all that stuff in there. And let me just say with respect, Joe, you, 
are able to lead in your integrity and honesty and still take people with you. Yeah. You, you, you can do that. And so you might not be thinking about accessibility, but it's in your muscle memory and it's in your pastoral heart to do that anyway. Yeah. And, and I I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean that I don't care. If yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Joe, this is a safe place. It's being recorded, but it's fine. Yeah. Listen, that's brilliant. We're going to move on and we're going to talk... Yeah. Helen, you take this. We're going to talk about young people. There was a couple of questions. One is around how do we build and support new worship leaders, young, young or old. There was another question about encouraging the enthusiasm of young people to pick up some skills. And there was another question about developing a, ho- a healthy, this isn't just applicable to young people, but how to develop a healthy culture of feedback, which isn't performance-based. Um, so just around that topic, Helen, what have you got to share on there? Some thoughts on that? A wide range. Um, oh, just, just, just jump in with what you were going to say. Um, yeah, I, I'm a music teacher as well, so I love the question about developing um, young people. Certainly for us, uh, Worship Circle has been really key for finding out who is uh, enthusiastic, who's got a gift, who's got a love of worship. So Worship Circle is an open invite to anyone in our church to just come and jam, and it's an acoustic thing. It's chaos, it's not meant to be pretty, but it's fun, it's so fun, and you just have one person leading, and then everyone just jams, and you spread out so you're not gonna distract each other too much. Um, But it's really good to see who's got a heart, gives, helps you to hear where people are. And then you can, I would suggest that a great way is to give uh, goals to young people. It's like, right, once you can do those four chords really, really well and use a capo really, really well, um, and you can keep in time, then you could come along to maybe a practice when we do our practices and then maybe we could work towards a Sunday, but it's, it's not promising as well because that, be that can be a bit of a difficult path. But it's, it's helping give people steps for those that have got a love and a passion uh, for worship and identifying and it's also calling out that I mean how many of our young people are actually really confident I think most of them will be like ah! um, so it's us identifying uh, helping to identify where are the giftings come on I can see that in you you're passionate about that what are you going to do about that how can you how can you improve use the coaching approach you know how do you think you sound how do you think you're developing have you heard yourself? Have you recorded yourself? What do you think you need to do to improve? Where are your weak areas? Where are your strong areas? Mm. And I think I would do that. I've done that with my worship leaders as well on a Sunday. Um, yeah, those guys can confirm I'm rubbish at doing it at the moment. But I used to do it pre-pandemic. <laughs> I probably need to get back into it. But um, on a Sunday uh, after someone had led worship, you know, just if, if I have time go through with them maybe a few days later when it's not so raw um, but like how do you think that went what what do you th- what did you sense God was doing where would you like it to have gone what what did you what 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 parts of your technique do you think need working on um, those kind of approaches helping people own their own development helping people own their own reaction and their own journey um, it's really powerful much more than me going you need to work on your timing. Uh, I mean, that might say something to them, but generally that takes away the ownership and just gets them annoyed with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, and on the, you, you asked about young people and you asked about local versus national, just on that. Um, I think local is where it's at. 
and anything we do nationally can support that. So I've been, we've yeah, been involved definitely. in doing some youth worship training, but the, the reality is, how many of you were either playing or involved in worship ministry as teenagers? How many of you? Okay. And keep your hand up if you had somebody older locally investing in you or helping you or, or training you. Yeah, you see, that's where it's at, right? Um, and so we have, we've had some national training programs. We, I've been thinking all day today that we need to develop some more. <laughs> now, that, now that we're out of the pandemic, I'm like, oh, okay, we need to think about how to do this again. Yeah. But, but actually, uh, and, and if there's something going on regionally or nationally, then um, my advice is do everything you can to get your young people there. Literally everything. I was a parent. There's, pr- not, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't do to get my own kids to a... A DTI event or a vineyard event or some, or some, yeah. some kind of thing. Because plugging into the bigger picture is so important. It's important for everybody. It's especially important for young people. But the real, the real work is locally. And so if you've got... Um, <laughs> we were asking Adam Russell about this in the seminar we did at Cause to Live For. You know, how about succession and... and, and oh, oh, I know what I said to him. I said, okay, I'm a worship leader in a local band, in a local church... What does success look like? He said, oh, that's easy. Success is basically training the next person up. Mm. And, he, and then he said, and my advice is start with somebody who's around 12 or 13 years old because then you've got them for five years and it's a, and it's a worthwhile investment. You know? And, and, and when that's going on all over the place, that's when the stuff's really happening. So I hope that answers that. Did you want to add anything else about, no. about that? Uh, anything else on youth and young people and... Um, Somebody was asking about enthusiasm versus skill. I think you've answered that, haven't you? I think skill progression is really important. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think investing in relationships is never a waste of time, mm-hmm. whatever happens. And so, so skills, teaching young people skills is a really good way to do that. I think you also have to be a bit gracious and encourage. You want enthusiasm. Sometimes the quality's going to dip, but that's not just with young people, that's with everybody. I I think one thing I would add is letting anyone know that you value them over their gifting. Yeah, Um, that's important. That we we love the people we're in community with. Mm. And if ever I was to give the message, I'm only valuing my team because of what they can bring on a Sunday, the team would disintegrate, wouldn't it? I, I would not want that to be the culture. The culture has to be, we love you, you're, we believe in you. Yes, this is what you're called to, but we value you, who you are. Um, so any training has got to yeah, underpin that. Message. Anybody want to make a comment or add in anything on that score from your own experience? Or share a story? Go on, Becky. Um, as the people that did the like growing up doing worship schools and stuff. Yeah. To have like the people that you're sat there as a kid go, oh, they're the big adult people doing all the worship stuff are really cool. I won't be like that, but probably won't happen. To then see them go, oh no, we thought about you. Like we, we want you to come along and do this. Hmm. Like come for a weekend, have fun with your friends. Cool, now we're going to have like a serious moment. That's not fun and like create like invite them into that family because once they're in that family pretty hard to get away from them (laughs) 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 and and it just yeah getting that connection it encourages them even more rather than being like great you've learned it's like great you've learned 
alongside all these people that are doing things with you and that will sustain them longer. That's good. Thanks, Becky. That's great. Actually, I'd like to add something. Go for it. Um, I think just about every creative person is incredibly sensitive. Mm. No, I'm not. (laughs) 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 Sorry. It's important to think about what we say before we say it. Mm. Because it can be massively destructive, something that we say without even realising it. And it can destroy someone's confidence. Um, And it can be the slightest of things that we say. Mm. Uh, And we don't even realise we've done it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just need to be so positive about everything that we say to bring someone on. Um, And and encourage them. And I guess if we think about our ability, I think, well certainly I do, there's always somebody that I look to and I aspire to. there's pretty much always someone looking to us aspiring to what we stand for. So if we kind of bear that in mind with everything that we say, there's there's always that side. Brilliant. Thank you. I think that's why. Sorry, um, that's why just leaving a few days before feedback is <laughs> crucial. Um, but also just valuing the relationship. If if we can communicate that always to people that we value them. And when yeah. we're talking them as a core, and when we're talking about what they do, that's that's not who they are that we're talking to. We're talking to their gifting, but not them. Yeah, critique, not criticise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no rockets on Sundays. That's my pastor's rule. <laughs> okay. um, Explain. No rockets you, you on Sundays. You don't fire any rockets. You don't fire any rockets. If you've got anything to say to your pastor, don't. That's in any way not positive. Don't do it on Sunday straight after church. Yeah, do yeah. it another time. Yeah. I'm just speaking for all pastors here. Okay? No rockets on Sunday. Save them for like Tuesday or Wednesday. Or something. Um, right, listen. The, the, officially this finishes at three, but the next one doesn't start at half past. So can we go to like ten past, quarter past, something like that? Yeah. Is that right with you guys? If you really need to go, go. But well, there's three or four topics that were brought up here that I'd just love to cover off still. Um, Jesse, take us through this one about... Somebody asked about... Um, Multi, it was multicultural and indigenous reflecting, reflecting in our core songs. So, yeah. Jesse, go for it. So, how I would respond to this, and, and remind me of the question, is how, how are we in, incorporating... Yeah, I've seen multicultural songs brought in to appease a week or, or bring it in, okay? Um, I'm fortunate enough to have travelled and, and been around mm. and if you think that perhaps in some congregations you might have a high uh, African element, you might have a high Brazilian element, etc. Why would you not bring in a Brazilian song or a Brazilian style song uh, and bring it in as part of the core set um, whether it's in that language or in that style and be part of the core set so that the whole congregation learn it and it becomes yeah. global to the church yeah. and, and a part of the church. So, I mean, what I would do, just, just for the context of this seminar, is sort of broaden, like, add that to the part of other questions of accessibility that, are, that, mm-hmm. that we have in worship. Um, I would say that, what, you know, one of our values in the vineyard is accessibility. And that means that um, we need to create on-ramps for the people that we're serving in our local congregations and that often means songs in other tongues it um, but for other people it means songs in 
sign, British Sign Language. Mm -hmm. um, for other people, it means, um, you know, s spaces uh, where they can relieve themselves of sensory overload, and you know, all of those sorts of things. And the answer to the answer to your question, why would we not? The, que the my answer is, I would. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I hope that helps. <laughs> How yeah. would you balance that with, as a, as a musician of limited ability, yeah. I haven't got the capability to play in lots of different styles. Yeah. And as a white guy, if I suddenly started rapping during the <laughs> yeah. that, there's an integrity element yeah. in that. Mate, but, it's not a white thing, it's a dad thing. It is a white thing too, but it's also a dad yeah, thing. No, no, in my family, it is anyway. It's, it's a really good question, and I would just say be led by the people that you're trying to serve and reach, and, and just allow them to, um, uh, you know, if either get them to do it or help them to get you to do it, or, you know, all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, please. Um, so, on a similar thing, we have uh, someone who does BSL, British Sign Language, for some of our services now which is really exciting, but I was asking her, it, uh, it, being vulnerable here, my naivety um, about what deaf, the deaf community have to um, encounter, and I, I was asking her about, well, what if, what if the congregation learned, you know, a song using British Sign Language, you know, thinking, oh, that hopefully, you know, we'd be using it, and she's like, no, because th that's us, hearing the hearing community doing it for the deaf, and she was like, no, I would come and do it, I would want to lead people in it, um, otherwise it comes across really badly. Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, <laughs> my bad. Um, it, I mean, she's amazing, she's teaching us so much about how to uh, be more accessible, but uh, I think that kind of translates for anything, if, if someone in your community is bringing something to worship, be it a cultural thing, be it um, an accessibility issue, let them lead, let them yeah. teach us how to bring that into our corporate expression of worship, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's who's God in our uh, place in our community, what are they bringing to worship, yeah. how do we release that? That's what I'm learning at the moment. Yeah. Anyone got anything to add Don't on judge that? me for that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone got anything to add on that? Specifically around the multicultural thing, you might want to talk to Ash from Riverside. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of experience of just that whole journey. Um, he's here. He's not here, but he's here, here at the weekend, and yeah. it'd be worth a chat to him. And some of the American Vineyard worship stuff is contending with the fact that they haven't had much had had much Spanish language stuff, and they're they're, they're doing bilingual st mm. s s songs now. And um, well, you know, however you do it, it's got to just be responsive to um, to how. You, you know, there's no point us identifying problems that don't exist in our congregations. Yeah. But, it's a, but at the same time, we do want to, we do want to, give people the language and the and the means to participate in a shared experience. So, yeah. Okay, let's move it on. Yeah. Um, the next question is, what do we do when people just don't want to engage? Jesse or her? Jason doesn't yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to rephrase the question in a more pastoral way. How do we help people? <laughs> I mean, my, I, my experience, I, we've been back in our church since September, and I've been leading a lot of that worship, and it's been hard work. Yeah. Partly because we don't have many musicians, and partly because everyone's spread out with masks on. Mm. 
I mean, what, honestly, it's just hard. It's just hard. Um, my, I don't think I've got an easy answer, but my, what I've done is a couple of things. One, just pressed on anyway and just decided, well, first and foremost, my, I'm responsible for me and how I can engage. Yeah. But then I am responsible for taking people on a journey as well. And so, um, I mean, it's just kind of back to all the, the things that you would do. I've tried to pray about it. I've tried to... Sometimes I've, if I've felt it's the right thing, then I've spoken to people, spoken into the room, into the situation, and just said. Uh, sometimes I've tried to model. I, I don't think it's false. I've I've cranked my own energy, enthusiasm, and passion up a bit. Mm-hmm. I've deliberately done that, but prayerfully and authentically. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not I'm not saying I'm trying to hype it up, but I have thought if I, because if you're if you watch anybody who's who's got some passion then that's infectious mm. and it just felt like there was just a lot mm. needed to be caught um there's a quite basic mm. answers but that's kind of what i've done what have you done? it's getting there yeah i mean i also you know i don't drink coffee but we haven't had coffee in our church either because when, when we yeah. when we came back after lockdown i just said we're going to be making sure that the kids and youth teams get full first before everything else Mm. Um, and that's what we did and so our kids and you actually I went up to lead worshipping our kids and I came down and I said to Joe I would rather be there than in the church (laughs) (laughs) because the kids are loving it and they're all jumping around and the grown ups are sort of like a little bit nervous and you know um, we're bringing back coffee next week after seven months or no in March and I think probably that'll help as well (laughs) Um, but that's a there's probably more to that, right? Go on. Yeah, I would add, um, Dan Will, we love him. Um, uh, he talks, I don't like this expression, but he talks about worship bombs, which are basically for us worship That's leaders. bombs, just... not bums, yeah? <laughs> bombs. Yes. Worship bombs. Gr- grenades. Grenades. Yeah. Worship grenades. Uh, just little <laughs> teaching moments when you are in the middle of a worship set, which just help people engage, help people understand what their responsibility is. So, Mark, like your question about how do you not take on the responsibilities, was it that kind of thing? I think, you know, to say it's just little one-liners going, right, we've got an opportunity here. This is our time to give to the Lord. This is our time. What do you want to give to him today? What do you want to say? You know, just little one-liners in between that help people take ownership um, and help take the emphasis on us and say, right, what are you bring? Um, and just little teaching moments. This is this is a time where we can encounter God. Mm. This so, is a time where He's in the room. I've noticed. I've been in a couple of rooms, and I've just noticed that people have sat down halfway through worship, and uh, I've sort of spoken into it by saying something like, "Do you know what? A lot of us have. Uh, we've found that in the pandemic, our attention span has got a lot shorter." But this is a moment to extend yeah. it again. So I would re-invite people to re... It's like, no judgment, but if you've checked out, check back in again. Step up, stand up again, and let's re-engage again. I've done, I've done that a couple of times. And, That's really good. Yeah, just try and let, like, graciously and pastorally speak into the room. Yeah. You got anything to add? I hate you. <laughs> I'd be like, no. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I love you. Um, I, I, I would say, oh, oh gosh, a couple of things. I mean, obviously, when we were leading online, you, you can't read anything, can you? Uh, uh, yeah. in, in people, and I'm I'm finding it difficult to read what's going on in the room. And I'm and I think I've recently discovered that I'm completely off in what I think people are actually 
what, what their actual participation levels are. Mm. We've still got a camera recording. Um, and and I, I listened back to, to one of the camera recordings and it was picking up a level of singing that I've been unable to hear from where I'm standing uh, leading the congregation. And I just thought people weren't engaged, but they are. And, and so I think masks are really difficult in terms of reading people's participation. But even sort of rewind back to pre-COVID days, I just think that we need to maybe just be a little bit careful about what we think participation looks yeah. like yeah. In, in, in worship. I'm not, you know, I, I probably look bored most of the time if I'm not on the floor, you know, like with my face in the carpet. But, I'm, you know, and, but what I'm actually experiencing is just incredible relaxation and peace. Um, and so... I think there's something to, there's definitely, I, I, I don't want to contradict Nigel, you, you, you have to encourage people to, to stop being passengers mm. on the journey yeah. and actually sort of stand up, make a decision, do this together. Um, I think I'd caveat that with if you have checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I'm if, just trying to call it without being judgmental about yeah. it. Absolutely. And just a couple of practical things. Like, at the moment, we're in, like, my church is in queues, but my, my pastors, both present and past, have been a little bit um, psychotic about the, <laughs> about the curvature of, of, of chairs. In, <coughs> he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sandra, can you edit that out bit? Um, no, but but they've got a theology behind doing that, and it's so that we can see one another as we sing. And so if you're a worship leader and you're the only person in the room that is leading worship, then you're going to find it really hard. But if you're leading worship, and so is everybody else, so are key people in the congregation, mm. and they're modelling what's going on, that is crucial for yeah. what's going on. And I've just been blessed to be part of a church where my senior pastors have always been just like 100% go for it yeah. worship and they just sort of set the tone yeah. and and so you've actually yeah. maybe just encourage your teams like like to to remember that they're leading worship even if they're not leading worship yeah. right and they're actually doing this so there's a couple of hands just went up nick you, were you two again yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really need to go to the pub you two <laughs> <laughs> no, i think you're right in terms of stuff like that like we noticed that we had a big uh, had a section where people like to sit and they were all like hands in the air or engaging, even if they were just stood there, it was like obvious that they were like kind of engaging. And so actually, I just was practical and said to them that, would you mind like you guys sitting over at this side here? Because there's that weird thing where, you know, if other people next to you are engaging in it, it's a lot easier to do it rather than if you feel like we're the quiet side and those people over there are sitting. Yeah. So we just asked people to shuffle around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And and they didn't mind, they were fine, because we just said, look, we just want to just kind of, you know, just that infectiousness of it. And then also, um, we tried to get some encouraging stories or stories of faith for people mm. to, to do something, you know, because like, I know every month has always done that. Like, you know, before we're going to pray for healing, let's tell some stories about healing. Let's, let's say something that builds faith in the room. Mm. And so people feel like they're, they're engaging into something because their hearts are stirred, mm. rather than just going... All right, the songs are going to take us there. Like, let's yeah. let's engage with God first, and then then we respond. That's really good. Come on, Joe. Did you have something to say? Uh, I was just going to say, kind of that that works as well with with the band. 
So we, since we've come back from COVID, we don't look out on the congregation anymore. We've, we've started just face, not, not worshiping in the circle, but we've, the band faces each other, um, like the, the two leaders will face each other across the stage. And also we're connected to the band. So as a, as a unit, we're worshiping. I guess it comes back to the modeling thing. Um, but I found it takes a huge amount of pressure off of me because I, you, you're not, you're not, you're aware obviously of what's going on with the congregation, but you're not. Um, it isn't. You're not looking at the congregation to be like, oh, it's not going well, or or or, or how can I how can I hit that person over there? You know, it's just about being connected to the team and actually worshiping as a team. And then again, I hate to keep clanging the same bell, but you're not going to catch everybody. You know, there are going to be people that just do not engage. Mm. And also, same thing again. Who, who says who's engaged and who's not, you know? It's, good, it's a really good question to ask oneself yeah, when, when, when you're leading. Yeah. You know, if they're there, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Anybody else want to contribute to this? Yeah, go for it. Um, not, not to contradict that at all. Um, one thing that we've been no, go ahead and contradict it. <laughs> <laughs> um, recently, is trying to keep eyes open in worship. Sort, sort of what you're linking in with like being known by people, I think. And as I'm leading worship, I'm trying to be communicating with the team, but also looking out and trying to make eye contact with as many people as possible. Not in a kind of weird, staring way. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to look, look out there. <laughs> and if, yeah, I guess I'm like trying to, and especially in the little gaps between um, singing, trying to ask God, like, where where are you moving? What are you doing? Where do I need to, kind of, not play to to try and amp them up, but just sort of asking God, would you like rest there, or would you engage that person? Um, Great, thank you. I think one of the things I felt like I had to learn really early on in the pandemic was how to lead worship without having any feedback. Yeah. Um, and because I, because I, I actually realized without having known it, I'd become so deeply dependent mm. on what I was seeing on the congregation to know what to do. Um, and so, you know, we, we moved through different sort of seasons of um, we really want people to participate, um, so we would invite them to participate. And there were other times where we thought, okay, maybe this is a season where we just need to allow and even invite people to just um, to be ministered to by our music and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been a, it's been a real learning curve. And now we're back in the room with one another. It feels like I don't want to forget what I've learned in that mm-hmm. space, which I think Joe, maybe you've been talking about, is just. Is just actually sort of not using, not feeling as though you've got to just sort of identify all the dead spots in the room and actually just sort of like shift, like do a course correction just so that you sort of, you know, you make, make, make sure you're hitting all of those bits. Um, it's, a, it's a balance between doing that and there's tension between doing that and, and actually just being, just noticing, just being sensitive to the room, you know, being like reading the room, listening to the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Where are you taking me? And if you can read that from your band, you can definitely read it from the congregation as well. So you need to be sort of <coughs> eyes everywhere. And I like I like the fact that you're turning in to one another, but you're not turning it back to the congregation, are you? I someone, someone like, behind us. All right. <laughs> we're like that. So. Oh right, yeah, it's a big yeah. So, but yeah, it's attention. Yeah. Okay. Any? Did anyone? Anyone else want to contribute to that? Yes, go for it. Um, I think. 
That's cool. One thing, so I used to, before I joined Medway Vineyard, I um, went to a C of E church, which is very different worship-wise, and um, sometimes they wouldn't look like they were engaging, and I would actually kind of not stop the song, but I'd kind of carry on playing, but explain what we were singing. Mm, yeah, I'd kind of just be like, oh, well, we're singing about surrendering, like this is a massive thing, like, and then like kind of go into it and then make them sing the whole song again. Mm. <laughs> 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 one one, one tone higher, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once, 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 one. um, I think once people kind of realised what we were singing, it was, there was yeah. a different element okay. to it. Yeah, yeah. it's important that. That's, really That's a worship bomb. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do one more question, and then we're going to... And it's this one. How many people are leading worship, and you've also your worship is also being live-streamed or going out to beyond your room? It's going out beyond the room, yeah. Uh, <laughs> even if it's not live, I suppose. Yeah, it's not live. Okay. Right, well, you can answer that question then, because I'm not doing that. Oh, so. cool. <laughs> I, we just chose not to, so... All right, okay, I'll, I'll tell you... I'll be real with you guys, like... The first few months back in the room broke me because I was trying to maintain what we had been doing online as well as doing um, uh, in-person worship again and add to that we were in a building we didn't know because um, our, our building had been taken over as a COVID testing centre and it's still a COVID testing centre so we're still in that space. So, And trying to do all of the live sound stuff and the internet stuff and the camera stuff it really, I, I, it broke me until I cried. And that doesn't happen often. And then I said, please don't make me do that again. Um, and so uh, we, we just record it on video and we put it on YouTube later. We're aware of the specific people who are in our congregation who have not been able to make it back in the room. We've asked them what they need, asked them what they want, what, was, what would help serve them. They're still engaging with the recordings after the event. And um, and so we've we've kind of struck this balance, but I wouldn't I wouldn't you know just don't kill yourself. That's just no, not not a good ministry model. Mm. We just don't do it because we just didn't have the resources to do both. Yeah. And it was a case of I, I I for me I think the other question the only question I'd ask, which is linked to what Jessica was saying, is mm. find out how many people are genuinely just trying to stay connected, and because I think there's one mode of working which is we're just trying to keep help the people who are part of our church connect there's a whole different ball game which is we're just broadcasting to the internet and whoever wants to be, join our like mm-hmm. i'm not interested in building an online worldwide congregation mm-hmm. i am interested in the people who are part of our church who just can't come and so for us we uh, we're ex- experimenting with it the sounds terrible on the worship stuff and half of our team are like don't put that out and the rest of them are like but even if it's terrible, it'll help people stay connected. Uh, so that's where, for me, that's where the conversation is. Go on, Mark. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to think through, we found helpful to think through actually what we're trying to achieve with this. Yes. Because that will de- define what level you need to go to. So yeah. we decided we're not trying to replicate our live stream and make it as sound as good online mm-hmm. as it is in, mm-hmm. in the building. Yeah. We'll use it to help it connect for those who aren't confident coming back. We use it for those who want to use it as a doorway to get confidence to come for the first time. 
but in order to do that we don't need the sound or the video quality to be as good as the room so we've learned to accept what is good enough for that and make an effort to get to that level but not break our backs to go over that um, and that's and that's good enough and we're not we're not gonna we made a point in our journey back where we stopped talking to the people online because there were now people in the room mm. um, and my main focus is talking to the people on the room, the people online can hear it but I don't very often specifically address them. Thank you. Yeah. Go on, we've, we've done something slightly different because uh, we, we do live stream um, everything and we are, we have um, uh, an online little community for those who are more clinically vulnerable who are really coming into church is actually quite dangerous still um, so we are striking a balance and it's more set up by the host or the preacher in the ministry time where we are addressing people online so if you're at home you know you could just go and get your bibles we're about to do this uh, so we address both groups of people um, and prayer ministry time we we're often ministering to those online, but um, I think it's we, yeah, slightly just a slightly different ethos. Um, we've had quite a few people who've tested us out first and then joined us um, in person, but tested and, online. And when you're worship and, leading in that space, do you, what do you do? Do, um, do you do anything different? But yeah, that's what I, I was. Yeah, I was going to say we we don't really do anything different. Mm. So I feel like it's set up by the host for us at the moment. That is what works is by other people addressing so they know that the worship time is something to engage but I think that's a whole area we, if if we weren't just fighting fires all the time and just <laughs> have a bit more time uh, that we could explore more you know how could you like on the sort of the chatter on on um, the live stream you know is that we have an online host who can respond to someone who might put on a um, a comment or something. Uh, I wonder if there's ways we can resource those at home to engage in worship in other ways. I wonder if there's creative ways we could sort of put out prayers or, you know, like just, I don't know, I'm sure there must be more creative ways we could explore, but we haven't gone there yet. But. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Mum. I was going to say as well, it depends on where you are as well, what other church is doing around you. Yeah. So where we are in Darlington, we found out that we're the only church in Darlington still live streaming. Mm. And having a look at the, yeah, there's not it's probably other five to seven people who are actually watching live, but a lot of them you've got into those people viewing it for the first time mm. of people as well. And we decided that you know we'd invested a lot in our setup and to, to keep it going and keep putting in the effort. There are certain things we've changed like we've changed, you know, we still engage a bit with the people on live stream but there's a bit sort of less than before. Mm. It's about that balance of if you're in an area and you've got this church here and this church here and this church here all in a similar area live streaming. And then you look at your setup and you're struggling with it. Mm. You know, you're struggling for people to do it. And then maybe you can think, you know, we're in an area where if we step back, there are other people there who are going to <coughs> that side going. So there are other churches available yeah, right. people can plug into. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you're in an area like ours where we stop, you know, mm. there's no you know, live stream in Darlington, mm. then I think it, it really can 
make a difference on what you decide with that cool. and how much you're connecting with the community mm. and the people around you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to call time on this session. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for your attention. It's been a bit pick and mix, but we're grateful for your uh, comments and your questions. We're grateful for all you're doing. The next session, I think, is at half past three, so there's a quick time for a quick coffee. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your help. Thank you.